You're listening to episode 17 of Unfinished Business, the weekly discussion show about the business end of web design and creative industries. And today is Friday, 3rd of May, 2013. The show is hosted by me, Andy Clark, and my co-host, she puts the bright into Brighton, Anna Debenham. Hello. This show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors this week, Eight Faces and Handheld Conference. Eight Faces is a limited edition typography magazine and issue number six is available now. And the Handheld Conference is happening in Cardiff this coming November. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And all the links that we mentioned in this episode are in our show notes. You'll find them at unfinished.bz slash 17. Watcha. Hey. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I just had some ice cream. Mmm, ice cream. There's a gelato shop in Brighton that does, like, gingerbread ice cream. And oh, don't. had some of that. Oh, it's so good. Oh, don't talk to me about ice cream. I'm just, I, you know, I, I need to start losing weight again because I lost, I lost quite a bit of weight at the beginning of the year. And uh, I think I've put it all back on again. You found it again. I found it again. I don't know where it, it hadn't gone far, but I did manage to get into my suit again. I bought a really nice Paul Smith suit a, few, a couple of years ago and I wore it once and then I got too fat. So I, but I managed to get back into it again and, and now I didn't actually try it on. <laughs> so yeah, don't talk about ice cream. Can we talk about biscuits? Uh, do you know what? You can always talk about biscuits. <laughs> biscuits like are biscuits. diet food. I'm convinced of that. Have you ever played um, Wheel of Death? No. It, it's it's a game. Um, maybe maybe it's only people in the UK who can play this. Um, but basically, in Sainsbury's, they've got these these wheels um, on some food items that say that indicate how how healthy they are for you. Oh yeah, and I've seen those like nutrition. Yeah, details, yeah. They'll have segments that are like green if it's okay orange Pie if charts. it's kind of not okay and then like red segments if it's really bad for you and i i try and find the one with like the full circle of, of red <laughs> and then i eat it pie charts and i found Action that pies. um pink wafer biscuits they're not quite the wheel of death but if you put a bit more salt on them then they are the wheel of death I don't, for one there is, biscuit there is nothing natural in the pink wafer biscuit they are completely man-made <laughs> i keep i keep remembering them as being really tasty and then i buy some and they're just like cardboard no no they're horrible they really was, are horrible i was looking um a colleague of mine was talking about uh you know those um they're kind of these long sugary biscuits that you use in some types of cake mm, do you know yeah, the ones i'm talking sponge about fingers but we looked them up, and they're actually called ladyfingers. That's wrong. <laughs> and so we decided that we were going to try and find these in in the supermarket. And um, my colleague went in, and she she's sort of looking on the aisles. I can't find any. And she she stops the the Sainsbury's guy and, and says to him, "Excuse me, do you have ladyfingers?" And I was just sort of shuffling away. I don't know this person. <laughs> I remember that I think it was my mother. She used to put those in the bottom of a trifle in the 70s. Yeah. Those are the ones. They're like kind of crunchy with a, like a sugary coating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lady fingers. We just called them sponge fingers in the north. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean. 
we decided that if we found some, we were going to kind of hollow them out and put them on our fingers and sort of type with them and, and wave and kind of annoy yeah, people generally. you would do that. I tell you what I'm reduced to eating though, because I'm trying to lose weight. Carob coated rice cakes. Oh, carob's horrible. They, they and these are rice cakes, so they're not actually biscuits. They're like it's you know, just like eating rice. polystyrene. I mean, they are organic, and you know they do come from the nice part of the supermarket. But I remember having this Twitter conversation about these very things with Drew and Rachel a few weeks ago because they couldn't believe that that these things were actually out there. But yeah, rice cakes. <laughs> they're oh, not a what? food thing. They're just something that fills up your tummy. So many years, though. I mean, like when I was growing up, I could just eat anything. I could just eat and drink whatever I wanted, and it just—I <laughs> stayed stick thin, like Alex. And and now, just like the slight thing, I only need to look at a digestive biscuit, and I put on two pounds. I ate a bucket of meringues yesterday. <laughs> that was great. I was I was on a sugar high. Oh, how I envy you! <laughs> oh God. So. What else has been happening this week? I've been in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. How is that? It's been really, really nice. I've been designing at uh, WIPO, which is the World Intellectual Property Organization. And uh, they're really nice people. Really, really lovely people to work with. So I've got my own little working space over there. It's a brilliant building. Uh, they've got this fantastic office building. And, yeah, I get there and they're really welcoming. And I'm spending six weeks, I think, on this project. Mm-hmm. spread over a couple of months, and I spent the whole week just designing type. Wow. Just looking at all the content that they've got spread across the site and just literally working on typography. So um, are you given uh, – do you get to choose like a typeface or – I was working with the brand team. They've got some in-house designers there that generally look after publications in the magazine. So I've been working with them, and the main body typeface is something I've never used before. It's called Kepler. Hmm. Which is really, really nice. Um, and it is was it funny. a bespoke one? No, it's Adobe, I think. It was, it was, it was funny because <laughs> I was in the meeting and I just forgot where I was. And they're, they're talking about Kepler and the choice of typeface. And I did that thing. Don't tell anybody else I said this, but I did that thing that we said, Oh, that, that looks really good. Is that, is that a, a typeface that you can, you know, can, can I have a copy of that? <laughs> And the designer looked at me and she went, you do realise that you're working for the World Intellectual Property Organisation. <laughs> <laughs> can't just give you a typeface. So, uh, yeah, so that was good. So I went out and bought it. But, um, yeah, re- really nice job. So I'm really looking forward to, to cracking on with this. I've got a week off and then I'm back in, in Geneva again. So it's I fly out on a Sunday <laughs> and I come back on a Thursday night. So for the next couple of months, I'm going to be mostly in Geneva, which wow. is which Long is commute. Fun. Yeah, but you know, and it's it's out of fondue season now as well. <laughs> Cheese ball season. I know, but I've had, I think I'm going to invent this because I, I haven't been able to find it anywhere in in Switzerland. But you know how you get pot noodles. Mm. What about pot fondue? Ugh. Add boiling water to a pot of and melt the cheese, and then you have like pot fondue. You don't get it. Mm. I think I've just hit on something. <laughs> that and mutton busting. So, so, yeah, Geneva's really, really nice. What's happened to you this week? Um, well, about an hour ago, I got a pebble. The watch thing? Yeah. Woo! It's really cool. Like, oh, oh, ask me what the time is. What time is it right now, Anna? It is 
that's impressive considering you're looking at a watch. <laughs> I haven't had I haven't worn a watch since like I was learning to tell the time. So it's quite it, it feels kind of weird to have something on my arm and I'm going to keep forgetting that it's there and keep kind of looking looking at my phone but yeah. What made you buy it? Um so I was kind of toying with the idea of um these kind of ambient uh ambient devices. Um part of what I talk about in sort of game console browsing talks and things is this idea of the second screen and and I've been thinking a lot more about devices that um they kind of show you partial information they don't you can't really like this doesn't have a browser on it unfortunately <laughs> um but it's kind of interesting in that you know if you're designing for something like this the limitations because it's a really tiny tiny screen and all you can really show is stuff in black and white and a bit of texture maybe but I just, I really like it. I feel like, I feel like a superhero. I feel like I'm living in the future. You know, this is the sort of thing that I thought would never exist when I was little. Dick Tracy. <laughs> What's that? Dick Tracy. Oh, John Blimey. How old am I? Dick Tracy was a cartoon character. He used to have a special thing. It was like, a, it was a watch and he was Like a to, Bernard's watch. Like it was like a talking to your radio watch, like a communicator on, on the wrist. So yeah, Dick Tracy watch. Or like Leela in Futurama. Uh, don't know. Never watched Futurama. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so this. So, have you hooked it up to your phone now? Then, so it, yeah. does it get messages and? Uh, yeah, it sometimes sometimes does. Um, maybe I haven't set it up properly, but sometimes it doesn't send the messages. But it will show if someone sends me a text message, it will it will buzz on on the watch, and it will show the text. So I don't need to. Uh, I because it's so much effort taking my phone out of my pocket only to find that it was just a an out reply or something right so does it hook up with twitter as well yeah yeah right i don't i've not really thought about it because like like, like you know, i haven't worn a watch in 15 20 years i don't think and i certainly don't think that i would I, mean, I was actually, you know, I was looking at watches on, the, I was in the airport yesterday, you know, and there's, it's Switzerland, so, you know, there's a lot of watches. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was mooching about while I was waiting for the flight home and I was around the Swatch store yeah. that was there. And watches are always so bloody ugly. And boring. If they, yeah. they can just tell the time and it's like, I can, I can see the time almost anywhere I look. I think it's much more interesting to have some. It feels kind of like having a Tamagotchi in my arm. Mm. Um, and I'm much more interested in it now things, all this, these devices coming out, things like the Google Glass. Um, I'm much more interested in that sort of design. I think, I think these things are important to, to learn about, even if we think they're not going to be that popular because some of these things could be, or they could kind of branch off into something else. But I just, I, I just really like to learn about these things. Did you see Luke Rublewski's post? Yes, yeah. He wrote about. Um, so he's been wearing the Google Glass for I think a couple of weeks, and he wrote about his experience of it, the things that were valuable and the things that were less valuable. And in particular, um, he talks about um, this mandate of user experience that value must be greater than pain for it to become adopted. Um, so he talks about the kind of the value and the pain. Um, it's a really good post and yeah, you should definitely read it. Yeah. I, 
saw something else about that, about the Google us. Um, what was it? I'll see if I can find this. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, white men wearing glass. <laughs> and it's basically pictures from across the web of white men wearing Google Glass, including an image which I really wish that I could get out of my head, but I don't think, I think it's going to go with me to my grave of Robert Scoble wearing it in the shower. <laughs> which is not, is not something that you Is it an actual remember. picture of him? Yeah. Actually wearing it in the shower? Actually wearing it in the shower, because, yeah, supposedly it's waterproof. Wow, it's, I didn't realise. I don't know, I mean, I, I think... If it had been a few years ago, I'd have been all over it, Google Glass. But I'm actually trying to disconnect myself from, you know, so much stimulation. Yeah. And I think that's, I'm obviously moving in the opposite direction to a lot of people (laughs) who, you know, constant updates. I just find it fascinating, this kind of ambient technology, um, getting, getting kind of updates in front of your eyes. I, you know, I, I'm, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I know there are a lot of privacy concerns, but I think it's interesting. I'll tell you what I did use this week, um, which I've not used before because it didn't make any sense, um, is Google Now on my phone. Oh, I really want to try that. I, now, got the, I wanted to install it on the Galaxy tablet because I thought, wow, that's going to be something that I'm actually going to use on it. But um, it's not got the right operati- operating system. Right, because I, I mean, at home... I look at it in Gwinesco and there's like nothing going on around here. It's like, no, come back when there's some cards. Um, but I used it in Geneva and I literally just flicked up from the bottom of the phone and it tells me photo spots that are nearby. Mm-hmm. It tells me, um, where Iron Man is showing and at what times <laughs> in which cinemas, um, restaurant recommendations. And, and doesn't it show kind of me. when your flight is and yeah, flight, weather for Geneva, everything and traffic reports and weather. Yeah, loads of stuff. And it was really impressive, actually, over there. Um, Because I suppose, you know, you're in a city, stuff's happening. Whereas here, you know, what's it going to tell you? The postman's just arrived. You know what? Um, I think that's going to be quite an important thing, whether you live in in a city or in the country, over whether you adopt this sort of technology. Because it's really useful if you're in a city to get things like traffic reports. And But, you know, if you're in the country, it's it's less important, less is going on. It's going to, it's not going to have as much inf- useful information. Mm, I don't know. I, I just, I want to try and do almost less on the web now. Maybe it's an age thing, I don't know. But I'm kind of, you know, I want to, I don't feel in the mood for sharing stuff. You yeah. know, I don't necessarily feel that I need to be connected to everybody all the time. But if it's useful, if it's telling you things that would save you time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know, I'm just, well, we'll see. Um, I wonder how much it's going to cost because at the moment I think that Explorer edition of Google Glass was like fifteen hundred dollars or something. Yeah. I wonder how cheap they would have to make it to twist me arm into giving it a go. Sarah wrote something interesting this week. Yeah, yeah. She's um, she's she's opening a shop, doing something. That, I, I really like the idea of this. Yeah, I um, have so much so much respect for her doing that. Cause... Taking you know, taking the idea of okay, well I've, I've I've got experience in marketing and the web and all the stuff that, that she does. And you know, I'm, I'm using those skills for clients. What happens if I was my own client? I had another business. Yeah. So, I mean, oh man, the, the fact that she's opening a ferret costume shop <laughs> is just the best news that I could have heard. I'll put a link in the notes actually here. Ferret couture. Man, there's some stuff you can get with ferrets. <laughs> 
Did you design this website? Do you know what? I wish I had. <laughs> I really, really wish I had. But yeah, she's got three ferrets, Sarah. Horace, <laughs> Horace, uh, Doris, Horace and Cornelius. She named them after the characters from Hello, Dolly. And, uh, and actually she doesn't really have ferrets. Don't tell anyone. But I just concocted, that was years ago. Um, cause you know, she's beautiful and talented and makes you sick. And, uh, I just concocted the idea that she wasn't really, you know, all she was made out to be that she actually lived in a caravan on the A13 in Essex <laughs> and had, um, and had three ferrets that she kept. Ferrets can be trendy. Really? They're stinky and vicious and horrible. Writers. <laughs> um, and it was just really funny. And then it, I don't know, it just caught on and people, people would actually take it seriously. And they'd say, <laughs> they'd send dreamers about ferrets. No. They would. <clears throat> They'd actually oh. send a message that I'm thinking about getting some ferrets. What do you think I should get some? There's <laughs> so cruel. There's um there's a section on the on the ferret website uh, called Ferret Travel and it's these little bags with little holes in them for the ferret to stick its head out. Uh, one of them is a bus that says ferrets on board. <laughs> it's and they've got little camper 99. van ones. Oh man, this is hysterical. What what I was gonna do was I was actually going to, um, I was going to start buying her ferret stuff and having it delivered <laughs> and ordering things and, and just having it shipped to her. But that's so cruel. Yeah, I know. It's, it's an old joke now, but it is, it still makes me laugh. Can I tell you about our first sponsor? Yeah. It's Eight Faces. You read Eight Faces? I haven't yet. Oh, it's so good. It's a limited edition typography magazine that's, got a lot of attention for its one-off print runs high profile interviewees and contributors and beautiful design and print quality i mean it really is exceptional in each issue eight faces asks eight leading designers if you could use just eight typefaces what would you choose comic sans no (laughs) horrible developer person (laughs) past interviewees have included tim brown frank chimero jessica hish Eric Speakman and my design hero, Trent Walton. The pages are beautiful, beautiful typography, and it'll introduce you to new typefaces and inspire you to think more about type. I keep eight faces around in the studio, not just for me, but also so that clients can pick it up and they can learn about why typography is so important to a design. Every issue of eight faces is a limited edition and there are only 2000 copies available. Issue six is out now and it features incredible debossed cover art by Stefan Weyer and interviews with Grant Hutchison, Mike Kuss, Eric Olson and five more talented designers. On top of that, it includes essays from Christopher Murphy, Typekit's Tim Brown, plus an introduction by Craig Mod. You should buy issue six of Eight Faces now before they're all gone. It's only eight pounds for the beautiful paperback and a PDF version to read on your phone and tablet. So get yours at eightfaces.com. I'm not exaggerating. It really is a beautiful magazine. I heard Elliot talk about it on, uh, he was interviewed on the East Wing and he was talking about the cover of this one, that it's kind of, um, is it blind embossed? Debossed. Debossed. Imprinted. What is that? It's where you press down into the substrate. Uh-huh. So it's basically stamped. So like, it's kind of, um, if you run your hand over it, would it kind of feel? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, it's beautiful. 
Really, really beautiful. There's some pictures on the Eight Faces website. It's, it's, it's a lovely magazine, this. Um, they've been doing some really nice stuff. And, you know, it's not like he does it like every month. You know, they take their time and they really think about the design of the whole thing. Um, it's, it's a lovely thing to have. It makes the perfect, the perfect gift as well. So I always buy a couple of copies and, you know, and then I'll just end up giving one away to, you know, whoever it happens to be that I think deserves it that, that time, you know, give it to a client or something. Mm. Makes you their best friend. That's a good idea. So last week we were talking about software and tools and offices and, and how we work. Yeah. And I knew it was going to spill over into two weeks. <laughs> so much stuff. So we didn't get around to talking about software, really. Mm. Business tools and things like that. So, what are, what are you using? What's what's your thing at the moment? Um, right, the thing that really helps me with kind of keeping all my accounts together. I've talked about this before. Um, it's Free Agent, um, and I know they've been a sponsor before. They're not sponsored this week, but I w- will still rave about them because they're brilliant. Um, it's it's basically. You, you put all of your, your things like receipts and expenses. You can generate invoices. Um, and it's, it's, it works out your tax as well. And I just find that really useful so that I know what's coming up. I know how much tax I'm going to be paying. Um, I've got an accountant, but it's really nice to have that kind of glanceable thing. And it, it has bar graphs as well that show whether you're making a profit or a loss. Um, I couldn't, I, I, I literally couldn't do without it. I would be such a mess if I didn't. I, I used to send um, invoices that I kind of draft up, up in Word, and it just—it's not the same. It—it just—it would take me so long, and I'd always have mistakes in it. You know, like I, I wouldn't have um, accounted for an expense or something, but this does it automatically. Uh, and I use something in there called Timesheets, which you just put your time in, and then it'll work out how much based on your rate that that you need to charge. Um, and I do that kind of for my own personal use as well. Like I'll put in how much time I'm spending on personal projects or on writing a talk just to give me an idea of, you know, if I were charging for this, how much would it, would it kind of cost and how much time am I spending on it? You know what? I still haven't tried it. Oh, Andy. I know. I know. (laughs) See, what would it take for you to, to start using it? Just a couple of days to sit and think about it and to set it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to figure out maybe how we get all of our stuff from this creaking ancient old system that we've got across. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would use time tracking because yeah. it always seems like too much like hard work, you know, when you're tracking things by the hour or something like that. I never, I don't build things by the hour. Um, never have, but I know that we need to do something. It's just that. That's yes, it's just getting off the couch again, isn't it? <laughs> um, I know, I know that I need to do that. There's some things that, you know, cause to be honest, I'm actually not very good with the, with the, the financial side of things. <laughs> um, and we have our accounts guy that comes in like once a quarter and he helps, he puts all the VAT together. Yeah. Um, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I've, I said to him last time, you know, can you, can you actually just give me a, a printout? Give me a, a sheet that tells me how much you know we spend on a regular basis. You know yeah. what are our actual business outgoings? Because you know, I'm ashamed to say that I don't know what they are. You know, I don't even know really know what the salaries are because I don't deal with that side of stuff. Mm. I just thought I would be, you know, 
it would be nice to kind of know where the money goes, you know, what we spend our money on and maybe what we can save or something like that. And yeah. I imagine that free agent would make that kind of thing. Oh, really yeah. Easy. No, it's all just in one place and it splits it up. It tells you kind of which categories the spending's going. And it, it can think... sync up with um, one of the things it does is, like I've got it connected to my bank account so that it, it's got an automatic feed and it just kind of, it updates every day to with the transactions. I think we said before they don't support HSBC with that. They might do now. They've just added a load more banks. Okay. Get that wrong. I think what I need is I just need a couple of days. You know, it's always the same story, isn't it? A couple of days where I can just kind of get things set up. And then, you know, maybe we can just run it in parallel yeah. for a bit and, and see how it goes. Um, but I know that I need to do something, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's been really, it's been really useful for me at the moment, just because I've been doing the kind of transfer from sole trader to to limited company. Um, there's this new thing, uh, like a payroll system called RTI, which is real time um, transactions. So you have to report to HMRC um, every time that you pay someone. It's like an, it's a new thing, but Free Agent had that feature in there. And it was just really easy to set up. Once I knew all the information, once HMRC had finally given me my tax code and things, it was just really easy to put all that in there and it just automatically sends it to them. Yeah. I mean, this version of Sage that we have to run <laughs> on a crappy XP virtual machine, it's like, <laughs> it's like that thing where you go to a client and, you know, they, they, you look at their machine or they open up Word or something and it's like a 10 year old version. How did you run that? <laughs> Yeah, do you not know about upgrading? <laughs> you run what? You run IE six? You you know you fool. And this, <laughs> this is my equivalent of that, really. You what? I mean, even Sage don't support that version anymore. Christ. So yeah, I know. I know. You need, I know to, do I need to do it. Yeah, I know. Book two days out and just sit down and and go through it, and and you will be amazed at how nice it is. Yeah, because I do want to feel more on top of the business. And I think that that's something that this would help me do. Yeah. Um, because I always feel disconnected. You know, it's not my bit that I, you know, I look after clients and keeping them happy and making pretty things. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Sue looks after the, the money. Um, so it would be quite nice if I just, you know, knew what was going on a little yeah. bit more. So that, that would be good. Um, what else couldn't you live without? I tell you what I couldn't live without. Dropbox. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you use it as like a backup? Uh, not a backup, backup. Not like an off-planet backup. No, I keep things. You've got for... all those hard drives, haven't you? Oh, don't tell me about those. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I need to sort those out actually. Uh, but I, I have a few of those Western Digital drives for music and movies and TV shows. Yeah. And then I've got. Actually, it's getting quite old now. It's about five odd years old but i've got a a big lacy raid unit like a five disc raid unit and it's only a terabyte but i only use it for storing old work so i'll archive projects to it and it's striped across all the drives and that's my kind of that's my armageddon backup mm. uh, and i use dropbox for syncing current projects and work files right so you use it purely for the sharing and yeah, I mean, what we do is we work out of Dropbox. So I'll set up, I'll set up everything that needs to be common to, you know, lots of people and lots of machines. Mm. Uh, so I'm just having a look what's in here now. I've got 
uh, my fonts are actually stored in Dropbox. Um, and other kind of syncing files like little snapper libraries. Yeah. So that that keeps updated across different machines. Um, and then I've got projects that go into Dropbox as well. Um, and what we do is I work out of that Dropbox. I create a new project and it's inside the Dropbox folder. Yeah. So it's updated. It's obviously updated across all of my machines. But what I do is I share that Dropbox with a client. Mm-hmm. In fact, what I do is I, I ask them to set up the Dropbox so that it's their account. And they yeah, can, I think that makes sense. Um, and they, they obviously feel that they're in control of it. They, they can set up access for everybody for that's people. working on it. Exactly. And then they're not hassling you going, Oh, could you add in Jim from accounts? Yeah. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the one thing, the thing that I have to do is I have to be quite careful about uh, asking them to name the files a certain way, folders <laughs> a certain way, because otherwise I end up with eight folders in my Dropbox that are all called stuff and nonsense, or all called redesign, homepage, or something like that, homepage or final. Yeah, so I've got <laughs> final, a, final, a bit of a yeah. Hadi, there's no more. There's nothing more final than final, final. So I have to be careful about the folder names and stuff like that. But um, it makes so much more sense that we share that Dropbox because, you know, you don't have to then worry about somebody emailing you a file and, you know, emailing means losing it usually. Um, And we work out of that Dropbox the whole time. So I don't mind whether the client just keeps opening the files as I'm working and and seeing what what I'm up to. Yeah. It's completely transparent. Yeah. and, you know, if they want to open up stuff in, you know, in a web browser and, and check out the templates at any point, well, you know, I don't do that whole waiting till the end of the week and or, and then doing the big reveal thing. That, that that doesn't work. I'd much rather people check in at whatever time they like and, 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 and see what I'm up to. So Dropbox is just brilliant for that. Yeah. I use it kind of differently. I, I put just everything in there. Like I put um, all my personal files, all my work files, um, the only thing that's really not in there is things like applications. Um, I've got a sites folder as well that uh, all of that's in GitHub. Uh, it's all version controlled. The thing that I quite like about Dropbox is that it does revision history. If you actually go on the website, you can mm. you can look at kind of previous versions of things. Um, and I wouldn't rely on that, but it's just really handy if you've been working on something and you you kind of want to go back say an hour um to sort of a previous save i quite like being able to do that yeah no it saved my life on plenty of occasions that i I had once where um the computer i was using it just completely stopped working there was a problem with the the sort of uh, display card or graphics card or something and it just i couldn't use it at all and i just moved to a different computer um, synced to my Dropbox folder and all of my files were there and I just carried on working. I lost about an hour and that was it. Yeah. I mean, I remember did I, I told you when Sue left her laptop in Geneva that time. Did I tell you the story? No. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we went out. It was last November. We went out to Geneva and we're on our way back. And to cut a long story short, she left her laptop on a bench at the railway station. Oh, no. And it's a little 11-inch MacBook Air and it's got everything on it. So it's got our accounts on it and everything's on it. And, you know, in the office, she just hooks it up to one of those 27 inch monitors. Yeah. So anyway, to cut a long story short, we got it back amazingly. 
um, somebody handed it in to the tourist information office. Um, and we paid the, the person there to, uh, you know, ship it back to us. Yeah. And, uh, and everything was fine. And, you know, I, I actually, apart from the fact that I wanted to make sure that the data was deleted, you know, I didn't want anybody getting their, my, their hands on, you know, our files. Yeah. Um, I actually couldn't care less about losing the machine because everything that was important was in Dropbox. Yeah. And, you know, I know that everything's time capsuled regularly here. She hadn't really done anything except surf the web and do some email, which is that's all kind of cloud based anyway. So, you know, we were just going to drive past the Apple store in Liverpool, pick another one up, come home, time machine back up, Dropbox and you're done. Oh, time machine was one of the things that, that encouraged me to move to Mac. Just the interface is so nice. Yeah, I've never, I've never genuinely used it. I've never needed it, but it's really nice. Yeah, I, I've used it on a, on a few occasions where I've I've saved instead of save as. Yeah. And you do that kind of stupid thing, um, but yeah, no, I mean it's it's great for peace of mind and the idea that the stuff is not on your machine or not yeah. just on your machine. Love that kind of stuff. Do you about- use things like uh, Google Docs? No, I don't. Oh, I've been using that quite a lot. Um, I don't use it for everything. Um, because I, I just find it a bit, uh, it's a bit fiddly. Um, I use it for text documents, for spreadsheets, um, but I don't use it for things like presentations or, um, you know, I don't, I don't keep all my files in there, just the ones I'm going to share with people because you don't know what software they've got installed. No. Do you think that, or this, maybe this is how you work it, but can you use Google Docs instead of sending out business paperwork you know like yeah. quotes or something like that yeah so definitely would, i've i've done that would you send somebody a link to a like a version of an estimate instead of like sending them out a PDF? uh no i do that in free agent right it's but you can upload the pdf to google docs and you can create kind of like a google driver i don't really know why you do that instead of something like like dropbox unless you wanted to kind of keep your design separate from your business stuff so like maybe you use Dropbox for the design files, but then you have a separate folder, which is in Google Docs, like in Google Drive, which is just your paperwork so that you don't have people who you want to show the design stuff to, but you don't want to show the, the contracts and things to. Yeah. I just wonder whether it's a an alternative, you know, whether you send somebody, because I'm very old fashioned, you know, I'll print some, I'll print a PDF and attach it to an email. Yeah. Um, whereas actually maybe... If I was to use Google Docs, I could just send them a link to that particular document. The nice thing about Google Docs is that you can do kind of commenting, inline commenting, and you can have that little chat window open as well. So you can be looking at a document while talking over Skype or something and and editing it in real time, and you can see those edits and who's made them. Well, maybe that would be good for collaborating on things like contracts or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because there's always stuff that, you know, people, somebody phones you up or they drop you an email and, um, and they'll say, yeah, that clause about copyright. Yeah. Um, you know, is there any way that we can edit that? Um, and yeah, it's a bit of a faff. So maybe, maybe doing Google Docs is the right way to go on that one. Yeah. And then you can see, you know, how normally in, when you edit a contract, you have to put your initials. Yeah. When you've, and it, it kind of does that in that it will say who's made the change. It kind of tracks all the changes. Do you think anybody still sends paper copies of estimates and things by post? 
Oh yeah, I'm sure we used do. to do this. We used to do this. I used to, you know, send somebody an, e- an email and attach a PDF and then print a copy and stick it in the mail. <laughs> I used to, I used to faff about for hours making these really nice, really nice stationery. I'd make these contracts which are kind of like hand bound and. And in the end, I never used them because I, it was always easier to send it by by email. Yeah, we used to do things. If it was a really big presentation, a really big pitch, um, you'd put a whole kind of bound document together. I can remember running down to Staples and, and getting the thing, you know, nicely bound, you know, a bit of a cover back, front and back. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done that kind of thing for years. I kind of missed that. It would be nice to just. I know I just like designing stationery, but. It wouldn't be very useful. No, I've been thinking about getting some stuff done by blush um, and whether or not we need to have uh, compliment slips. You know, yeah. We used to, used to put a compliment slip in the envelope with a cheque that you are paying. Or maybe maybe you won't remember that. Um, I can't think what I'd use a comp slip for now. Well, you can do that in Free Agent as well. It's got like thank you uh, emails. So when you mark a transaction as like when you mark an invoice as paid, it'll automatically, if you want it to, send a thank you email yeah I okay about Eno- using that but enough about free agent i know i Sorry. know i need to do it <laughs> to do it it's just you're poking that thing now yep <laughs> what about do you use travel apps for anything oh all the time um so i commute um pretty much every day from brighton to london and before i go i always check that my train isn't sort of delayed because sometimes it is, and and the Tube app as well. I've got a London Tube app um, that that kind of shows me which lines are disrupted, uh, so I can kind of plan ahead, and so I don't end up sort of in a big in a massive queue for for a station that's shut. Um, there's two train apps that I use. One's the National Rail app, one's Train Line app. The National Rail app is really good for telling you which platform a train's going to be on. So I use that sort of right before. I get on a train and the train line app, that's really good for planning a journey. So if you're going, um, if you're trying to find the best route from A to B, that's just really easy to do on the train line app, but not so much on the national rail app. It's a bit annoying having two, but yeah. Yeah. I don't take enough trains to really need that, but I, I have started collecting a few airline apps recently. <laughs> Um, which has the been really useful. The EasyJet one is really nice. Yeah, no, I've, the EasyJet one is really nice, and they've just added passbook support. So, oh, that, I mean, the that first thing. time I, yeah, <laughs> no, it's useful. It's really, really useful. You know, you walk into the airport and boom, there's your boarding card on the home screen of the phone. I, I think I'd still print it off just in case. No, I've been going paperless as much as I can. Mm. Um, so yeah, the EasyJet one is good. The British Airways one is good. Uh, Lufthansa when I got Germany, um, <laughs> that works with Passbook as well. So uh, do you think um, after Johnny Ive gets his hands on iOS 7 that we're not going to have that uh, <laughs> strange kind of shredder thing? Shredder? Yeah, when you when you trash a, a boarding card or, or a ticket or something in Passbook, it actually oh, has like an on-screen Oh, I've never done thing. that. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you need to try it. It's the most ridiculous animation <laughs> on any app ever, but it's a bit of fun. Do you have any like banking apps? Do you do online banking? Uh, we do online banking. Well, somebody does, and, and no. <laughs> I've been I've been using. Um, so I've got bank out with NatWest and with Barclays, and the NatWest one it's it's surprisingly good. Um, 
like the the banks online online apps are so much better than their websites. Um, the Barclays app is really nice as well. It, I just couldn't believe how nice the typography was in it. It's like, wow, this is really nice. Wow. Can we talk about our sponsor, our second sponsor? Yeah. Who's that? It's Handheld. Woohoo! That's the one we're going to. That's the one. Yeah. It's a conference for all things mobile, and it's going to be happening in Cardiff in Wales uh, between the 27th and 28th of November 2013. And you can expect some great talks covering responsive web and mobile design on one of Europe's biggest stages. That's the Wales Millennium Centre in beautiful Cardiff Bay. And this year's speakers include Geoffrey Zelman, Sarah Parmenta, Mark Bolton, John Hicks, Jeremy Keith, Dan Rubin, Naomi Atkinson, Eddie Machado, Sid Lawrence and Ling Valentine, Woo-hoo. our favourite of uh, lingscars.com fame. If you haven't been on that site, you're in for a treat. So there's, first of all, there's a day of workshops, which include Sarah Pimenta's iOS design. Um, there's designing for grid systems with Mark Bolton, photography with Dan Rubin and Andy's new CSS3 for responsive design, which I, I hear is going to be rather good. That's the one you should go to. this. <laughs> Tickets for those workshops and for the conference itself are still on sale, although the first batch of tickets sold out really, really fast, so you'd better get one quick if you want to go. So workshops are £250 plus VAT, and the conference is £139 plus VAT. And if you're a student, you'll get a seat for just £99. I've been working on the content for that workshop uh, for the last few weeks, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I think this is (laughs) going to be really good. Never mind the others. Just come to mind. It would be great. <laughs> Apes in Space is the uh, oh, example dear. files. I'm making a I'm making a, a new site to demonstrate Flexbox and CSS columns and grid layout and you know loads of nice kind of new CSS three for responsive design stuff. So and I always like my example files to be, you know, tip top. Mm. So yeah, I went to a photography studio last week and uh, photographed quite a lot of my little Kubrick figures for this website. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> Attention to detail. <laughs> we can't get through an episode, can we, without talking about Hammer for Mac, obviously. Um, I'm not going to ramble on about Hammer for today, but I used it this week, and there was one particular thing that happened in WIPO that is worth talking about, mm-hmm. in that um, I was doing a lot of typographic design, and people wanted to see how the typography was going to look on different devices. Yeah. So... Did a load of work and pressed the publish build button that we talked about, which copies yeah. up the files up to Hammer's website. And gives you like a URL. Gives you a little short URL, which I emailed out to half a dozen people. And then 10 minutes later, they all congregated in my working space. <laughs> um, and they opened it up on their phones and tablets and whatever and were looking at the type there and then. And, and giving you feedback. And, and giving me feedback. It was ace. And, uh, you know, from my point of view, they were like, oh, what is this tool? So what happens when, if you wanted to edit that file, would you then give them a different URL or would it yeah, be the same URL? No, it's a different URL. That's, I think that's good because it's like giving them a, a snapshot so you're never kind of, um, you know, showing something that's that's still a work in progress or something. You can you kind of always show them the latest version. Mm. No, it was it was really good. That's the first time that I've used that publish build thing in front of a client um, and it worked really, really well. And I, th- I saw some things on there that I'd never seen before. The way that uh, like the, the, uh, the file browser 
mm. that's part of the the interface uh, that you look at when you pull up a file on your phone or your tablet or something. That that was just so smooth, really, really smooth. So you know, it, it makes people feel good about about design when you you know you, you can check it that quickly. It was it was a really slick experience. Yeah, made me look good, even though I hadn't you know, didn't do anything. <laughs> What uh, code editor do you use with it? Uh, Espresso, and I'm really shallow (laughs) because uh, I like it because it's pretty. I'm the same. And I like (laughs) it because Vila designed the splash screen. Yeah. Um, And that's really the thing that hooked me. And I know people talk about, oh, multiple curses in Sublime Text or something. (laughs) I I installed Sublime Text because everyone was banging on about it. And I, I didn't know where to start. I mm. didn't know where I didn't know how to open a bloody file. So it lasted about 10 minutes and then I uninstalled it because I'm shallow. I used to use Coda um, and I moved to Espresso because it hadn't been updated in quite a while. And it was um, Espresso, they'd just started, uh, they'd just integrated something called, uh, it was a CSS thing. It was a CSS app. Yeah, I um, remember the one. Yeah, and it, it let you group uh, CSS sort of selectors and things. Um, so I got that and used it for years. And then I tried out Coda 2 when it came out. And it, it's got a lot of features. It's good. But um, I just didn't like the way that it shows all of the files horizontally. I, I really like Espresso that shows the files vertically. Because I, I often have, you know, about... 20 or 30 open at once and when they're horizontal i can't see most of them but why would you have 20 or 30 files open at once <laughs> i just i'm very i'm um, just like that oh no i have to i work on something i close it down and then 30 seconds later i'll open it up again <laughs> i have to have everything kind of closed down but yeah no espresso is my code thing and yeah it's 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 good it does everything that i want it to do I, you know they they don't update it very often Mm. Um, and you know, maybe there's a lot of stuff that they could do if they wanted to, you know, make it compete with some, some of the newer apps, but it does everything that I want it to do. And it took me years to move away from just using text edit. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't use syntax highlighting or, uh, autocomplete or that's anything just, like that for years. That's just torture. <laughs> but it's how I worked for such a long time. I used to be a big fan of Dreamweaver and I still I still think it's yeah when people say I use Dreamweaver that I think there's a bit of kind of snobbery like that people sort of oh why are you using Dreamweaver god but the actual code editor is really good you know it was one of the first that did sort of um tag completion you know when you when you hit forward slash and it just completes whatever the tag yeah opening tag was and the color coding as well i always really liked that it took me a long time to kind of weed myself off it um and yeah and the ftp thing as well that you can do in it yeah i mean i'm I'm sure it's a great text editor i think you're right a lot of people will sort of look down their nose because of the what you see is what you get design viewy thing which is you know i did i started using that that's what i did back in the day Mm. um when it was still macromedia yeah, <laughs> same. But yeah, do you know what? I kind of long for macromedia. Yeah. Today, you know, so I've still got a macromedia T-shirt somewhere. I still have my macromedia Studio Eight disc. Um, I uh, I miss I miss a macromedia. Well, we have to have a rant about fireworks, don't we? Can we have that now? Yeah, because need to get it on my system. 
Uh, I mean, okay, so people won't understand it. Sue, the designer Sue, who works with us, she's a Photoshop lady. You know, everything's Photoshop, doesn't understand fireworks, doesn't even know what you would use it for. And I know a lot of people like that. But it's fireworks is just so much better. It's it's designed specifically for web design, yeah. or it was when it was when it was made. I mean, you wouldn't think so now, but it it is kind of for that environment. Whereas Photoshop is for photos. Yeah, it's an image editor, mm. and yeah, yeah, they tagged a load of stuff on you know type tools. I've you know, I've never used a type tool in Photoshop ever, and I've never used any of the silly vector tools mm. that they chunked it. I mean, why would you want to? That's that's what Fireworks was for, or Illustrator. Do you ever use the auto shapes in Fireworks? Yeah, who the <laughs> They're hilarious. But, yeah, there's some really, really good stuff in Fireworks, and I don't know what Adobe's problem with it is um, because they haven't got anything that does the same thing. And if they would actually talk to people like you and me and John Hicks, and I know there are others that are so passionate about the app, they would, it's not that we want to necessarily keep fireworks. It's just that we want something that. That's specifically for us. Yeah. That works in the same way. Um, I've been using fireworks since I was 14 and it just feels like, uh, yeah, it's the only thing that I've been using consistently throughout all that time. It's just, just, I'd be so sad if it went away. No, well, just the, the the way that it works, the way that you create objects and group things together, the way that their layers work, which is different for Photoshop. I'll tell you what I was trying to do the other day. I mean, we're going to get emails about this, I think. <laughs> right? Email Anna. Oh, no, email Andy. <laughs> but the silly thing is, if you want to pick a colour from somewhere else on the screen. Yeah. In fireworks, you can do that. You pick the picker, you can drag it over any other kind of window, you know, whether it's yeah. uh, a browser window or the dock or, God, anything. Anything that's on screen, you can pick the colour from. You can't do that in Photoshop. You can't actually pick from a colour that's outside the main window. Actually, I can't do that anymore. There's a bug. Um, I think yeah, it's is. to do with the retina yeah, yeah it doesn't quite pick the right color. It could pick it's, it picks completely the wrong color. You know, if I'm picking like a red, it'll it'll think it's gray. If I'm picking a blue, it'll think it's orange. Well, I'll show you this later on. But there's actually um, you can use the other the other dropper tool, not the one that when you click on the little color picker. Uh-huh. There's a, there's another tool which actually does it accurately. Oh, uh, okay. but yeah, there is a bug. But this is the thing, right? This is where we get to start to have a tirade. <laughs> is Adobe are just plainly not interested at all in fireworks. Um, and the thing is, is all they haven't, yeah, you because know, they're chicken, right? They are chicken. <laughs> they won't turn around and say, listen, kids, fireworks has had its, has, has had its fun. Uh, but now it's going away. Um, along with, you know, other apps that you don't use anymore. Front page. Um, I know, love front page. Shut up. I used, that was the first uh, code editor I used. Yeah, it was the first thing that I used as well. But, you know, they're not going to say that. They're not coming out and going, listen, kids, you know, Fireworks is dead. But we know it's dead. They've not put it on any um, retina roadmap. And they just completely conveniently sidestep the issue when it comes to what's happening with Fireworks. Mm-hmm. And it's written in... Is it Carbon, the old yeah. one? Right? Mm-hmm. So it's written in Carbon. They haven't updated it for Lord knows how long. 
Um, and anything that's still written in carbon is going to look like a bag of bones on a retina display. Yeah, it kind of does. So, you know, now that, what are we going to do? Two years down the line, a year down the line, we're all going to be having, you know, high density displays and fireworks isn't going to be usable. I've got it open up now. It's not that bad. Oh, wait, no, this isn't, this is a different screen. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, it's so, so, you know, either what they should do is they should say, listen, we're going to commit to fireworks or something like it and, you know, carry on into, into the future. Or we just be honest, we don't care about fireworks anymore and open source it. Because I'm sure that there are people out there that would want to take on parts of it and i haven't like found I'll ever open source it. yeah which of course they won't but uh, you can suggest it but i mean i've been trying a few alternatives i know john hicks has been doing the same kind of thing um looking oh he's for been trying out um acorn yeah and there's nothing which does it all that's the thing there's nothing mm. that does it all um, he, he says um he said something quite good the other day that it's the right use the right tool for the job you know if you're using fireworks and it does a particular thing he says he's sometimes uses acorn for other things but he kind of he doesn't have one app that he uses for everything no uh it may it makes me cross but i mean i okay I, I should maybe just let it go but you know if you've been using fireworks for as many years as we have you've invested so much time in mm. you know i'm still learning stuff on it I know, making it your own, just the way that your workspace is set up and any extensions that you've installed. You know, you put, you invest a lot of time and effort into an app. Um, and for them just to kind of like let it rot, I think is a little bit unfair, but you know, big corporations, what are you going to do? Yeah. We should talk about a couple of other apps, um, before we wrap up. So one of the things that I've been looking at more as fireworks becomes more and more abandoned. A um, couple of apps, Grid Set and Typecast. Yep. And they've been doing things that Fireworks just isn't very good at. Things like um, with Typecast, it's really good at, at you know experimenting with different typefaces that you don't have installed, um, checking the line heights, and um, Fireworks just isn't very good. Like it doesn't. Have you ever been able to get Fireworks to do bullet points? No. Does it it's do hopeless. that? Hopeless. Just text in general. Setting text in a in a graphics editor, yeah. You know, and okay, if you're designing a logo or something, you know, and you, you you're doing something which is actually to do with kind of graphical text, then yeah. yeah. But if you're just setting pages of text as a in a mock-up, complete waste of bloody time. Yeah. Total waste of time. Which is why typecast is such a great thing. Yeah. I tell you what, I have been using a hell of a lot though is Gridset. Mm. I don't think I could start a project without it now. Um, I mean, there's a few little niggles. There's a few things that I've talked to them about that I think where they could improve it. Um, some of the UI is a little bit kind of mystical. Um, but overall, what a great tool. I've really wanted to try it. I mean, I don't have any use for it because I don't do design. But if I were a designer, I think it would be just invaluable. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot because I – the way that it works is that you'll design a grid and that's a really good part about it. You know, you can say, here's my kind of nominal canvas width and I'm going to have a, what did I do this week? A five column layout. Yeah. And you, you move the columns around, uh, you change the ratios. I ended up using uh, a thirds ratio. 
yep. which created some really interesting different column sizes. And from there, you can save the project and get access to the CSS, basically, uh, in loads of different ways. So you've got SAS mix-ins, which I don't use. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's loads of other stuff that they, that they add in there. What and I do. It's responsive, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, what I do is I create maybe, you know, two or three grids per project, you know, one for a small screen, one for a slightly larger screen, one for, you know, a, a larger screen still. Um, but instead of using the SAS mixins or, you know, just taking their CSS, mm. I just go for the cheat sheets and then I do, I cut and paste the, the width values. <laughs> And it's really, you know, it's old school, but it works for me because it keeps my CSS free of, you know, SAS cruft. Yeah. But I suppose if you were a developer, if you were to get a designer to basically give you the grid yeah. and, you, and you remade that grid in grid set. That would be de- useful. As a developer, you could just then hook it up to the SAS mix-ins or however else you want to work it. And boom, it's taken care of all of your layout for you. I've so, had so many headaches trying to work all that out myself. I'm not very good at maths. It should be nice to have something else do it for me. No, it's a really nice tool. And the fact that it's it's not just a good tool, but it's got Mark Bolton's uh, and Nathan's knowledge of grid uh, theory in there as well mm. means that I don't know, it just, you, know, you, you make a grid and it can take you in different directions in terms of the design. You think, what am I going to do with that really, really skinny column? Oh, well, I'll move that skinny column to the left and that's where I'm going to hang my quotes into. And, you know, you might not think of that if it's, if the grid isn't kind of informing the design. Yeah. So I really, really like it. It's great. Another tool I like for kind of responsive design is um, something that Cole Henley wrote a blog post about. Um, and someone asked us last week, because uh, we didn't mention it, uh, it's, a, it's an app called Divi. Have you heard of it? No. So just a little kind of utility app. It's It sits in your menu bar. Um, and do you ever do that thing? Um, maybe it's just me, like, just lining up windows on your screen. Because um, I don't like it when they're all messy and kind of crossing over each other. I like to have kind of things in, in boxes, different apps in different different places. Is this like a menu arranging app? No, no, it's like a like a window do you just have everything full screen no no i never use full screen on the mac because because what it does is um you can basically define the width of windows so you can say i want this to be um like half of the screen and you just click on a button it it makes it half the screen um and just positions it where you want but um the thing that cole was using it for was he was saying um okay i want this to be a narrow screen okay now make it into a sort of wider screen and now make it into a, a like a full width screen and he said he used to kind of do that just by clicking and dragging and it kind yeah. of gets a bit um but this is just a really quick way of of checking a design no put a link to cole's article in the notes i'll have a look at that that'd be really interesting cool i tell you what was funny this week was uh i was on a skype call with uh another agency i'm working with uh with a, a company in uh switzerland that doing the uh, the UX work on WIPO. Hmm. And it was really, really funny because uh, all of all of their um, their website and everything else is really minimal, you know, real kind of clinical design, um, real, real kind of, you know, minimalist 
look and feel. And then they popped up on Skype and their office is exactly the same. <laughs> it's like one of these great big kind of warehouse things with clean white walls, open, you know, open plan. Um, no clutter, nothing that shouldn't be there, you know, no plant pots. And it was really funny how their environment was exactly like their design aesthetic. Is it like people who have, um, people who look like their dogs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it made me, it made me think about, you know, my place here and, you know, the fact that, I mean, the, the apes are here, obviously, mm. but it's not about the apes to me anyway. It's about having stuff around, which is, you know, it's, it inspires me, you know, it makes me happy. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, apes don't inspire me that much, but you know, it just kind of makes me happy having all my little bits of plastic crap around. Um, and that's why I like working for myself. I don't think that I'd be able to go somewhere, work somewhere where I wasn't in control of the environment <laughs> somehow. Yeah. So that, that was quite funny in terms of stuff that's, you know, knocking around the office. Yeah. We should wrap up. Yeah. I was going to say we're pushing over an hour. So you can email me at he has at unfinished.bz and Anna, she's she has at unfinished.bz or you can email both of us at they have at unfinished.bz and all the links we mentioned in this episode are in our show notes. You can find those at unfinished.bz slash 17. That's the number 17. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Eight Faces and Handheld Conference. Um, next week, we're talking about doing a Q&A. So That's if you've got good. any questions, um, please send them through and uh, we'll try and answer them next week. See you next week. See you.